you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Thank you, Matt. Praise team. I want to say good morning to you. If you are a guest with us uh, here in person, my name is Lee. If you are a guest with us online this morning, I want to say welcome you to you as well. Thank you for joining us where you are uh, today. Also, um, take your mind to Christmas. Think about Christmas. Think about Thanksgiving. Because something will happen at Christmas and Thanksgiving when you gather with your family. What is going to happen at Christmas and Thanksgiving when you gather with your family may happen this week, and it may have already happened this morning if you are in a life group already. Here's what's going to happen at Christmas, at Thanksgiving, maybe this week, and might have already happened to you today. When you are with a group of people, and it comes time to pray, someone's going to say, who would like to pray? And what's going to happen? Silence. Uncomfortableness. People will start looking at the sky. They'll look on the floor. They'll start tying their shoe. You know, if you're there at dinner, you may drop your fork, right? I mean, what happens when you are with a group and someone says, who wants to pray? Everybody jumps at the chance, right? No. Usually you have that uncomfortable silence, uncomfortable silence, uncomfortable silence, till someone goes, hey, you go to church, will you pray? Or maybe in my case, they go, you're a pastor, would you pray, right? Which is my joke always, that's the only reason I get invited out in public to public gatherings, so someone will just ask me to pray, you know. Thanks for having me, I guess I'll go now, get my to-go plate and leave, you have me come do my job and pray. Right, but isn't that what happens? You, you get uncomfortable with, with prayer. Why is that? I would argue that sometimes we're uncomfortable praying because we've never really been taught to pray. You know, in the Gospels, that's what Jesus uh, has his disciples ask him. They come to him and say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? Because in that day and time, it was very common for rabbis to teach their students how to pray. So they come to Jesus and they're like, look, we, we've seen you pray. We've heard you pray. We want to know how to pray. And so we're in this series called Prayer Works because that's what we believe the Bible teaches, that when we pray, something happens, right? When we pray, it works. When you pray, it happens after prayer. And so last week, we went through Ephesians in chapter 3 and verses 14 through 21, and we said that we can pray for others to have a strong faith, to have God rooted in their hearts, for them to love the Lord, and that we are going to pray that when we ask God to do something, he'll do more than we can ever think, imagine, and realize so that we may give him glory. We may worship him in the church is what Ephesians 3 and verse 21 says. And so what we want to do this morning is look at just another very practical prayer that you and I can pray in our own lives and we can pray for one another because we want to say, you know what, this morning, if you're uncomfortable with prayer, okay, 
If you're in that situation where they're like, who's going to pray? And you're one of the ones who looks at the ceiling or just thinks, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me. Okay. It's okay right now not knowing how to. It's okay being a little uncomfortable, but don't stay there. Right? This is something you can grow in. This is something you can get better in. See, prayer is one of the most important parts of your Christian life. But prayer is often one of the most difficult parts of it as well. So you and I ought to always be learners of how to pray. And so I'm going to invite you, if you've got a Bible with you or maybe on your phone, let's go to Luke chapter 11 and let's look at a prayer that Jesus gives us that we can pray through. It's a, it's a model prayer, uh, if you will. And I'm going to ask you, as you're finding that passage, if you don't mind standing with us as we read the Word of God together. Uh, when we read a, a portion of Scripture together, we like to stand just to honor Him in the reading of His Word. And so I'm going to pick up in verse 1 of Luke chapter 11. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Verse 2, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not in temptation. I want you to pray with me at home. Let's pray here in our worship center. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, that song we sang a few moments ago, great is thy faithfulness. We're told in the Bible at the end of chapter 3 in 2 Timothy that when we are not faithful, you are still faithful to us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for being faithful to us this week. Lord, whatever we have gone through this week, whether it be good or bad, you have seen us through it. Lord, we thank you for this day, the day that you have made that we can rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We recognize that this is your word. We recognize its authority in our lives. And Lord, this is the word of God that we submit ourselves to. And so, Lord, I thank you for your word being alive, as Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us. And we ask that it will now penetrate our souls, our minds, our hearts. And, Lord, where we need to adjust, we pray we will adjust according to your word. Help us, Lord, to know how to pray. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, this prayer that Jesus gives us. He's not saying you have to pray it every day or pray it every time you pray, but it is really a model prayer. And when you take the structure of the prayer, you can really structure any prayer time you have around it, but it's a good exercise to pray through it. It's a good exercise to go through this prayer and to see how we can pray. So let's look at the first part of the prayer together. In prayer, the first thing you ought to do is adore God. So in prayer, when you start praying each day, adore him. Just spend time worshiping the Lord. I think it really dishonors God when we come into prayer and we just start giving him our list. We just start saying, God, here's what I want. Here's what I want you to do for me. And we treat him as some type of vending machine, right? All right, I'm putting my kind of 
coins in, and here's what I want you to give me. E5, a little blessing of prayer today. All right, so we want to spend time adoring him. And so Jesus says right there, how do we address God? We can address him as Father. You know, in Matthew, when Matthew writes out this prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he says you can say our Father. Right? It's our Father. He's our Father. Now, when Jesus said that, that was a very, very radical statement for the day and time. And the reason being that that was so radical is because the Jews had a very standoffish view of God. You know, this, this is God. There's no way we can address him as Father. Right? They didn't even want to say the name Jehovah or let alone write the name of Jehovah. This, there's no way we can call God our Father. And here Jesus is saying, no, you, you call him Papa. He's Abba. He's Father. He's, he's Daddy. You know, it's also a radical statement for us as followers of Jesus to come and say that we call God Father. It's just as radical today as it was back then. You know why it's radical? It's radical for two reasons. Number one, this. There is no other religion that prays to a God as their father. Nobody else. We're we're the only ones. We're the only ones that would call God Father. Nobody else does that. No other religion would call their God Father. But you know why else it's radical? Because not everybody can call God Father. Not, Not everybody in prayer can address God as their Father. So I want you to think about it with me this way. And, and at home, you can maybe click the like button if you agree with this statement. I'm going to ask you guys to agree with this. Raise your hand this morning or click the like button if you believe God has a general love for all people. Okay, we could all do that, right? right? What's a verse we could think about on that? How about John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see right there, God has a general love for all people. God so loved the world, he sent Christ Jesus to die uh, for our sins. But, is there a special type of love that's different than the general type of love? Yes. See, not everybody can call God Father, until he has made them one of their kids. See, the Bible would teach, and we've really lost this understanding of adoption within the doctrine of salvation. See, the Bible would teach in Ephesians chapter 2 that when we are without Christ, we are dead in our sins, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and we are sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2 verses 2 through 3 should say. But then the passage swings at verse 4, and it says, But God, who is being rich in his mercy and love toward us, has made us alive together with Christ Jesus. And so what happens is when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are saved by Christ, and you are adopted into God's family. That God says, Now you're one of my kids. Right now you are my son or my daughter. I'm your heavenly father because you have received Jesus as your savior. So those who, yes, God has a general love for all people, if you've yet to receive Christ as your Lord and savior, you're not able to be over here with us that says, yeah, he's our dad and we're one of his kids. So how, do you, how, do you, how, how does that happen in your life? How do you become one of God's kids? Well, John chapter 1, verse 12 says it. 
says, for everyone who believes in his name, and that name right there is Jesus, whoever believes in his name and receives him, he gives the right to become a child of God. So to become a one of God's kids today, you place your faith in Jesus. That's what the Bible would say. So if you are a believer in Christ, if you follow Jesus in your life, then good news, you get to call God dad. He's your father. He's your papa. He's your abba. And here's the great news, and I want you to listen really, really closely on this one. All right, so if, if maybe your neighbor has nodded off already five minutes into the sermon, wake them up and say, Pastor Lee, quit praying a few minutes ago. Open your eyes, okay? Just because I don't want you to miss this part. God loves to answer the prayers of his children. God loves to answer the prayers of his children. And you have the ability in prayer to adore him, to love him as your perfect heavenly father. Now, I know for some of you, that's hard. And that's hard because you had a bad earthly dad. But I want you to listen. This heavenly father, he will not curse you. This heavenly father will not beat you. This heavenly father will not look at you and say you will amount to nothing in your life. This heavenly father will not tell you to get out. This heavenly father will not tell you you are no good. This heavenly father will not leave you or forsake you. This heavenly father that you can pray to is good and he loves to answer the prayers of his kids. Amen? So in prayer, adore God. Spend time adoring him in prayer. Secondly, notice else how he structures this prayer. We want to spend time adoring him, but we want to spend time praying for his purposes. We want to spend time praying for his purposes to be done. Pick up in the text with me in verse 2. He says, and he taught his disciples, when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. There are two purposes right there that we can pray uh, that God will accomplish in our lifetime. First is that his name is hallowed. His name is hallowed. Now, I know we don't throw the word hallowed around a lot in our, our everyday language. So what does hallowed mean? It means to be honored, be glorified. So when we are praying, God, hallow your name, we're saying, God, honor your name, glorify your name. We want to see your name honored, right? And so notice this. This is not the big man upstairs. This is God. This is perfect heavenly father who does not sin, who's in full control of everything. And so when we pray, we're saying, God, honor your name. Let your name be glorified. And here's how you can pray it, just very practically and simply. When you say, Lord, honor your name in me. Lord, I I want you to hallow your name in my life. Lord, I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. Hallow it in my name. You you can wake up in the morning and just pray right before you go out the door. Look, Lord, I don't want to do anything today that's going to cause your name to be dishonored. Hallow your name. But also, Lord, hallow your name in me, and then hallow it in everybody else. Lord, I honor your name in everybody. Lord, I want to see everybody glorify your name. God, I want to see everybody honor your name. Psalm 34, verse 3 says this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. All right, and so we want to say, God, we want your name to be hallowed. We want your name to be honored. But notice the second purpose we can pray for. He says what? 
for your kingdom to come. Your kingdom to come. If we were in Matthew's prayer, it would also say, and for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's God's will done in heaven? Perfectly, right? In God's will in heaven done perfectly, without discussion, immediately. Right? So we want to say, Lord, we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done, just like it is in heaven. We want to see it done perfectly, immediately, quickly. So when we're praying for the kingdom of God to come, Here's how we're praying this, and it's a, it's a two-way prayer. Are you ready? Okay, we want to pray for the kingdom of God now to be recognized in the life of everybody. All right, so, so if you think about it, the kingdom of God has already come. All right, when Jesus was here on the earth, he, he preached his very first sermon. Here was his very, very first sermon. I'm going to sum it up in one sentence because it's one verse in the Bible. The very first time Jesus went public with his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? Repent, for the kingdom has come. That means the rule and reign of God's authority is here. Repent, turn from you trying to be your own boss and turn to God and let God be your boss, right? You you guys have seen it, right? Uh, The bumper stickers or the memes, Jesus is my co-pilot. Isn't that so wrong? You know, you don't need him as your co-pilot, you as your pilot. You've messed up your life enough as the pilot. Right? Time to resign the pilot seat and let him move over. I, mean, I know in my life, I don't need him as my co-pilot. I need him as my pilot. Left alone as the pilot, I'm crashing the plane. I need a better one who, who can drive my plane and fly it. That's what Jesus does. And so when we say, your kingdom come, we're saying, Lord, we want to recognize and we want to submit to your rule and your authority in our lives. But we also not only are praying that now, we're praying the later part of that for your kingdom to come. That means Christ to come again. So your kingdom come, it's a, it's a here and a later type of prayer. Lord, we want to pray that we recognize your rule and your authority in our lives, but we also want to pray that Christ comes again. So when we pray, Spend time adoring him. All right, don't, don't just rush into your list. Spend time with God, just, just adoring him, thanking him for what he's done, thanking him for your forgiveness, thank you for all the ways he's worked. And then we want to pray for his purposes to be done, that we would hallow and honor his name and for his kingdom to come. Now, when we've worked through that, now we can get to our list. All right, now we start asking for God to meet our needs. So in your prayers, ask God to work. Ask God to meet your needs. And there's three needs I think you see that we all have within this text. So let's pick up at the first need. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. So we want to pray for God's provision. Give us today our daily bread. Now, now what in the world does that mean? I mean, because I know some of you might be thinking, well, if I look at my bank account, if I look at my savings account, if I look at my 401k or my Roth IRA, I, I'm good. I, I don't really need to pray for daily bread. I've, I've got plenty of money to buy bread. So what's daily bread mean? I, I honestly think daily bread can mean a lot of things right here. The intent of what it means is this. Lord, I need you to give me today what I need today to get through today. Lord, what I need today to get through today, I need you to give me. 
And then if there's a tomorrow, then give me tomorrow what I'm going to need tomorrow to get through tomorrow. But let's just worry about today. So Lord, what I need today, give me that daily bread to be able to get through today. So it might look like this. Lord, I've got to go to work today and um, I need mercy because I really am mad at my coworker. That's your daily bread. Maybe it's patience. Lord, I, I've, I've got to start teaching again. And I need patience with this school year. <laughs> That's your daily bread. Or maybe it says, parents, Lord, my kids are still going to be home on virtual school. And I need patience as we start this out. Man, whatever that daily bread is, it's recognizing in that prayer that God is the source of everything we have. Everything we need, God's our source, and we're coming to him and say, Lord, we just need you to give us today what we need today. Well, notice the second need we all have, and that second need is God's forgiveness in our lives. His forgiveness in our lives. Verse 4, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Forgive us of our sins. And I would say when you pray this, make it personal. God, forgive me of my sins. Let's play along again with this, and don't raise your hand on this time or click the like button at home, but just stay with me and in your mind answer these questions. Do you believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you don't, again, don't raise your hand, don't say this out loud, do you believe as a follower of Jesus Christ, honestly, you can make it through one day without committing a sin? One day. Now, I would think if I did ask you to raise your hand on that one, probably pretty universally, we'd all go, no, I can't make it a day. Okay, so let's do this. How about an hour? Can you go an hour without committing a sin? 30 minutes? 15? How about five? Think you can make it five minutes without committing a sin? Now, I'm sure if I ask some of you to raise your hand on that one, how many of you think you can make it five minutes without raising your hands? Hands would go up. Because some of you gave me that look like, yeah, I could do that. Five minutes without committing sin. That's easy. Five minutes, no problem. Next week, I'm going to talk about pride. And we're going to address it. <laughs> See, that was a mean setup, wasn't it? Sandra's watching the live stream probably at home right now. She's like, oh, that's mean. She's going to tell me about that one. But isn't it prideful for any of us to think we could go five minutes without committing a sin? Isn't it prideful? You go, ah, oh, no, I don't know. I could do that. Because any time we think, yeah, I could do this, then pride is going to come over and take in our hearts and go, no. You're giving yourself a little too much credit there. And I would be giving myself way too much credit if I thought I could go five minutes as well. So this prayer that you and I need to pray, God, forgive us of our sins, it reminds us of the need that all of us have for the deep work of forgiveness and love and mercy in our lives. But I want you to notice the back half of the verse. Because the, the, the back half of this verse is also a prayer we need to pray. He says this, and forgive us of our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, or your translation may say, who trespasses against us, or who has sin against us. See, I would find it a, a real hard argument to make for you to come and say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ who has received the forgiveness of God but I'm not willing to extend that same forgiveness to someone else. 
See, biblically, you would have a very hard argument to make there to say, I am forgiven by God, but I will not forgive someone else. Because you wouldn't be arguing with me if you came to me on that. You'd actually be arguing with Jesus. Because in Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus teaches through these prayers, in the next two verses, he says this in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 14 through 15. He says, for if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. The quickest way to show someone that you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, that Christ has never come into your heart, is to say, I'm not going to forgive them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, tells us, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Now, some of you are going to put your hands up. You're going to close your Bibles. You may be even thinking about turning me off online right now. Because you're thinking this. Lee, there's no way I'm forgiving that person. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know the pain it caused me. And you're exactly right. I I, I probably don't know what they did to you. I, I probably don't know what they said. I don't know all the hurt, and I don't know all the pain. But I know this, God does. And you've sinned against him in your life, and that still caused pain and hurt. And the way he loved you, the way he forgave you, was he sent his only begotten son into this world to die on a cross for you. And God said, let me demonstrate my love toward you. Let me demonstrate my forgiveness toward you that while you are still a sinner, Christ died for you. And, and so just let me just be real honest with you this morning. It, it's going to be really, really hard for you to say you're a believer in Jesus Christ and hold on to unforgiveness. Like I said, you're not arguing with me. You're going to argue with Jesus on that point. So, so let me encourage you this morning. Whoever that person is, whatever they did, Whatever they said, you need to forgive them. And, and they may not be in your life anymore. They may be gone. You don't talk to them. They may have even passed away. But if you've got it in your heart, you've got to come to the Lord and say simply this, God, I, I can't talk to them anymore. They're gone. They're out of my life. They may have even passed away. But, but Lord, unforgiveness is still in my heart. It's still in my mind. And, and I need to forgive them. And I'm going to forgive them right now today. Now, what's going to happen is two things. Number one, those scars, those wounds, that bitterness that you hold, is going to start healing over time. It's going to start going away. But when you start practicing forgiveness and forgiving someone else of what they've done, you then begin to start learning and realizing the depth and the love that God has for you and the forgiveness you have in Christ Jesus. And so God says, pray for your needs. Pray for the needs you have every day. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive me of my sins. But also, the third need is this, protect us. We need God's protection. Verse 4, he says this way, lead us not in temptation. God, today I'm going to face temptations. I pray you don't lead me into them. I pray you lead me out of them. I pray you you lead me around them, Lord. Protect me 
from the temptations I'm going to face in my life. You know, Jesus encourages us to pray that way. He encouraged his disciples to pray that way. In Mark chapter 14, verse 38, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before the cross, Christ is praying. He tells his disciples, watch and pray that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Everybody say amen on that one. Boy, our spirit's willing a lot of times, isn't it? The flesh is weak. We ought to pray, God, protect me today from those temptations, those trials that I'm going to face. So this morning, if you think about your prayer life, there's just a simple way to pray. Spend time adoring God. Spend time praying for the purposes of God to be accomplished. Then spend time praying for what you need. And so I'm going to encourage you right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer, just right where you are. We're going to practice this. I'm going to invite you to pray with us at home right now. Just bow your head there in your living room or wherever you're watching this with whoever you're watching it with. And and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And I want you to right now just spend time adoring God. Just take a moment. Thank him for the week. Thank him for maybe a, a way that he answered your prayer request this week. I mean, just say, thank you, God, for today. Lord, you woke me back up. Spend time adoring him. Now, I want to encourage you to spend time asking God to accomplish his purposes. Just as we prayed in that text and looked at it. Lord, we pray for your name to be hallowed. your name to be honored. Maybe you can even just pray that right now. Lord, today I want to honor your name. Help me not to do anything that's going to dishonor your name. You want to pray right now for the return of Christ. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come. Now I want you to pray for a need you have in your life. Whatever that, that need may be. I want you to ask God, Lord, meet this need. Maybe that prayer you want to pray through this time is, God, I've invited this person to church and I want to see them come or watch online. Maybe somebody you know who you're praying to they'll come to know Christ as their Savior. Today, this would be a moment, too, where asking God to forgive us of our sins. That maybe right now it's for you to extend forgiveness to someone else. And that person, again, they may not be in your life anymore. They may be gone. They may have even passed away. You have no way of getting in touch with them. But you can extend that forgiveness right now by just simply saying, God, I forgive this person for what they did. Lord, we thank you for being a God that invented prayer. You're a God that set up prayer. And you made prayer as a way that we can express what's on our hearts and what's on our minds. And Lord, I thank you for the relational aspect of prayer. You know everything that we already need to pray about, but you call us to still pray. 
so that, Father, we, we can relate to you as a child to his dad. And Lord, we thank you for being a good father. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will accomplish your purposes. Father, I pray this morning you will forgive us of our sins. And Lord, that we may forgive others that have sinned against us as well. And so, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done. And Lord, we just pray we may hallow your name today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.